Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry. Folks, welcome to a very, very special episode of the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare. This is the Lessons from Leinster Rugby episode. We're the home of Leinster Rugby with Killian Reardon, athletic performance coach for Leinster Rugby and performance nutritionist Daniel Davey. Daniel, welcome to the Real Health Podcast. Thanks for having me. The pressure's on, lead up to the big match. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. It's obviously it's a, it's a very exciting time of year. Uh, it's the time of year when everything becomes about precision and executing really world class preparation in everything we do. So uh, it's a very enjoyable time of the year. Talk to me about a typical diet for a Leinster player. Um, a lot, lots of our listeners will go to the games, watch the games. I myself was at one uh, in the in the Aviva not so long ago. The performances that goes into it are incredible. What do they eat? What's a normal day for a typical Leinster player? Well, I think it's a, it's important to place a bit of context on it. So every athlete within this environment will be provided equipped with the the skills, the information to make informed decisions based on their specific goal. So uh, days are different. Uh, different demands, whether it be gym, on pitch, skills, then of course sometimes you've got players who are injured. So players have to be skilled to be able to adapt their food intake depending on their specific goal Mm -hmm. or the day. So uh, a day that there's high volume of running uh, and they're in their gym, obviously it's going to be a significant energy or calorie requirement. Um, The timing of the nutrients is obviously important from a preparation from a recovery point of view. Um, but carbohydrate is, is certainly your, your key nutrient, your key macronutrient from a fueling perspective. So they will consume things like your, your, your oats, fruit, they'll have smoothies. Um, we provide breakfast and we provide a meal called refuel, um, and that will provide a good source of protein, good source of carbohydrate. Very often it'll be something like a chicken and rice dish or, or a noodle dish, and we, tr- we try to vary it up as much as we can through our, through our catering company. Uh, the afternoon, it could be another smoothie, uh, fruit, nuts, and, and, and simple things like that that provide people with energy, <clears throat> a good source of healthy fats as well. And then the dinner, their dinner in the evening uh, is usually, again, a good balance of vegetables, a carbohydrate source and, and a protein like fish. But I think the, 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 there's nothing uh, out of the ordinary in any of that. And I think that's maybe one of the misconceptions about the way that an athlete eats. Mm-hmm. Certainly the, the volume um, and the timing is, uh, is different and the, the timing needs to be very precise from a, an adaptation, from a recovery point of view. But the foods that we should eat are all the same. And in terms of volume, then let's touch on that briefly. Is there? Give me a rough, just for our listeners, a rough calorie intake. Um, yeah. So or uh, calorie range. Well, I, I suppose that's that's a good way of putting it. You know, you're talking about a surplus of um, or a greater intake than the normal person of about a thousand calories on average, which is not a huge amount. Um, But again, we've got athletes in here who are 80 to 127 kilos. So 127 127 kilos. kilos. So there's a huge range in weight. And with that 
range in weight, you're going to have very different types of, of demands. Uh, so it could be as much as four and a half thousand calories. Um, and it could be as well, you, you really probably wouldn't go lower than 3000 calories. Most, most athletes in here would be on about 3000 calories. Okay. Which is not overly scary. No, and I think it's no. a really good myth to bust here yeah, and now, which yeah. is that, you know, pro athletes aren't on these astronomical, like Michael Phelps would be the classic one. He's always put on social media of all the stuff that he eats and you're looking at yeah. him thinking, how the hell does he eat all of that? Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not even convinced. Nor that, I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he, may, he might have done it once, uh, but th those type of calorie numbers are, they're, they're insane. Saying. Now, if you're looking at endurance sports, that's a completely, completely different ball game. You know, anyone who's training two, four hours a day, two, two to four hours a day, they're doing a high, high, high um, volume of high intensity work, then that's very different. But our, I, I think just to go back to it, it's about being really precise and it's about being focused on what the, the athlete's goal is. And for us, there's a big there's a big emphasis on lean mass. So um, the intake of protein, the distribution of protein and hitting total protein targets are, are important. And um, without getting totally OCD, uh, protein targets. Yeah. Two grams per yeah, kilo? Yeah, which, which isn't... Again, it isn't excessive uh, compared to what any average um, active individual should be doing or should be consuming. Uh, but then you look at anyone who's over a hundred kilos. I mean, that is probably if you look at the the numbers in the in our weights, where you're probably looking at about a hundred kilos as an average weight. But it's certainly over two hundred grams of protein a day. So you can't you you know you can't really be skipping meals. There there isn't. Uh, there isn't much measurement for error if you want to make sure that you're well prepared and, and getting the most out of every session. The lads talk about banking their sessions. So um, if you if you want to bank your session, you, you got to hit your, your fueling targets. And you talk about timing as being really important to touch mm. on volume. Tell me a little bit more about timing and how important it is, A, for the, the team here, but B, also for our listeners who are listening in. Yeah, so uh, again... It's it's really it's it's about understanding the uh, the framework of how how athletes uh, operate within a weekly basis, and they're on a specific schedule. Um, we we train Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays. They've got a, a, a captain's run on a Friday. They have a game then on a, on a Saturday. So it's about knowing. All right, what are we building up to? What uh, what are our times like? When are the specific times that that we're performing, that we're training in the gym, or we're on the field? And then it's about timing the right type of food uh, in and around that. So an athlete is either preparing or recovering all the time. You know, eleven months of the year, that's that's what their life looks like. So the 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 thing for them to understand is what actually works well for them. You know, we need to reduce total fiber intake and preparation uh, and in, in the immediate recovery as well, something like fiber or foods that are very rich in fats are not going to be optimum for fueling or for initially for recovery. They make up the more the afternoon meals and the evening meals, um, but uh, in and around high performance or, you know, high performance. Yeah, when they're performing at their best or they're performing high intensity exercise, um, it's it's more of a, a lighter, easy to digest meals that they're consuming. Such as, yeah. So overnight oats have become really popular. Of course, yeah. yeah. So it's the food of the moment. It's food of the moment. Uh, it's flexible. It's easy to make. Uh, they can do it in batches. Uh, so it's it's things like that. They have porridge here every morning. And then, as I mentioned already, the, the, there's a lot of liquid calories. So 
it's again it's it, it's going against what we might see uh, in the general population we're trying to limit liquid calories but for these guys to hit their nutrient uh, needs calorie needs and then for even from a rehydration point of view uh, the blender is on go here i think <laughs> I'm, uh, i think i've burned through 12 blenders over the last two years or something like I'm that pretty so. sure i heard one on the way in coming up the stairwell yeah, as well yeah, so it's yeah, going yeah so in terms of liquid calories you're talking about smoothies um, there's a lot of smoothies i i get i get a delivery of of fresh fruit and frozen fruit every week um, and uh, it, the fruit comes in with the catering team as well so they've got access to fresh fruit um, and we uh, we have a provision of dairy as well so it's it's a combination of fruit and dairy most often and in terms of i suppose the last five ten years uh, rugby a sport in general but rugby in particular has become far more professional in the approach that's been taken to it from every aspect yeah. and in terms of nutrition it's no different mm. yeah it's evolved massively um, and I think if you look at where the players and, and even in terms of their mindset or their outlook around nutrition, I think that's one of the areas that's changed. I mean, the conversations I'm having now uh, are a lot more personalized. They're a lot more detailed um, and the knowledge level of the players. I mean, I'd like to think it has improved, but it's uh, over the last six years. But the, they, they definitely with the, the greater access to information players knowledge has definitely changed you know they're they're often asking you about things before you've even brought it in up with them so the players are looking to get them to maximize their own performance in every way themselves and then coming to you asking questions so it's a two-way very much a two-way street very very much so um and i think that there's you know players like jamie heaslip definitely uh, led the way and as as things have gone on um athletes are starting to really realize well if I look after my body if I really recover well it's it's not just week on week it's actually now season on season I could play for that bit longer so players are definitely more tuned into what works specifically for them um, and I think you know nutrition and lifestyle and exercise it's all about behavior and, and habits and establishing good habits and i think the the discipline and the adherence to a lot of the concepts that maybe we've known about for a long time has just really become uh, you know they're, they're really nailed on on it now and do you find the players are coming to you with things they're reading on social media like the rest of the general population when it comes to food or is if are there and are those myths that you dispelled and when they do come to you and what kind of things are they coming to you with out of interest yeah, th that can be tricky. Um, it is uh, it is it is challenging because they do obviously see things uh, on social media, um, and that's I, I guess for me it's about understanding what's out there as well. So I need to be I, I need to know what's in the nutrition space or you know what are people talking about, and I need to be informed about it because if I don't have an infor informed opinion, then that's going to, not going to help their decision making. And if I want to influence them, obviously they need to trust me, but they need to know that I've done my homework. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I'm not going to lie, like so the, the things around supplementation are, are definitely something that comes up quite a bit. Um, the, some of the players have uh, have dabbled with things like intermittent fasting. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, as, yeah. As, before, as, as pro, as pro uh, athletes? Wow. 
Yeah, well, I think the uh, I, it's really important to place a bit of context around that as well. It, it's not like that they're doing it seven days a week. Um, the, it, everything will be discussed. And they say, you know, I, I've, I've heard some good things about intermittent fasting. Is there any flexibility for me to try it? And I'll say, you can try it on your down day if you want. Um, or you can try it on a day that, uh, or in a period of time that is not going to be any at risk to performance. And here are the terms. Here's how you achieve it. Um, so they might skip breakfast, but they're still eating. They might eat three and a half, four thousand calories between twelve and eight. So it's things like that. And 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 don't get me wrong. The it's it's for me. It's something I like to hear. Uh, I, I like to be challenged around it. It shows me they're engaged. It shows me they're interested. Um, if they weren't asking any questions, then I'd be more concerned. Talk to me about supplements. I'm going to start with uh, prebiotics and probiotics, a random one, but actually considering the quantity of food that gets consumed, like three yeah. to 4,000 calories, it's more than the average. And especially in the fact that they're moving so much, presumably the digestive system is under a huge amount of pressure. Yeah. And is that something that's prescribed? Is that something that is, is, is you find is useful or not? Was the case uh, well, what we know about uh, gut health is that it's important. We don't really know. We, we know now that it, it's involved in a huge amount of different uh, components of our general health, from, from immune function to mood, general well-being, the excess and availability of nutrients. So we know that it's important. But we also know that it's incredibly individual. So there's very little research to suggest at this point, um, and from, from what I am aware of, uh, that um, we should be consuming any specific probiotic. Mm -hmm. um, there is one uh, product that um, is actually was developed in Ireland called Alpharex. And that's, that's right. Yeah. 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 And that, that is that is a, a good product. Um, and during periods of where athletes have used antibiotics or have had digestive problems in that kind of context, you could use a product like that. Uh, but generally speaking, and I, I would have spoken to some research on this, uh, some re researchers in this space, the variety in your diet uh, and the consumption of the right type of fiber foods and sufficient fiber is the key variable. Mm -hmm. So um, you mentioned volume there. There is enough volume of food going through the player's uh, system. Um, but generally speaking, I would be quite confident that uh, they are getting enough fiber and nutrients for to establish a, a good a good profile. Supplements. Yes. Anyone who listens to this podcast is going to expect us to talk about it. And I think it's important to chat about it. Yeah. Um, uh, a, uh, simple things like presumably protein powders, protein shakes are used on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, um, it's, it's funny. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, we have a very, very food focused uh, environment here. Uh, and athletes know that it's a very small percentage of overall nutrition um that that supplements make up so the focus is very much okay well are we getting enough energy are we timing our nutrients correctly are we hitting our macronutrients they're they're the key things but um yeah supplements do have a, a role to play so things like fish oils uh, and vitamin d are used on on an ongoing daily basis um so vitamin d more specifically obviously the winter months uh, not so during the summer the guys get their holidays during the summer so they're 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 not really in any uh, def deficiency for vitamin d um so that is something that we look at 
from so that's from from a health perspective. Uh, we use whey and we use a recovery a recovery combination, which is is a whey and carbohydrate uh, combination for after after training sessions. Yeah. But it's not extensive. I mean, probably game day looks like the players have got, uh, they use gels, they use electrolytes. Um, we, some players use some caffeine gum um, and beat shots are probably the, the, the other one. But it's not, it's not the central focus. Okay. And so pre-game then, talk to me about yeah. caffeine intake. What yeah. what what kind of volume are they taking? Tablet form or... Yeah. Or? So they, they use uh, they use a caffeine gum. Um, there's 100 milligrams of caffeine per, per gum. Um, yeah. And some players would use... Uh, the average consumption would be about three. Uh, three gums. So about 300 milligrams of caffeine. They might have had a coffee or two before that day. So yeah, you're, you could be looking at five or 600 milligrams of caffeine uh, in the lead up to a game uh, within the two hours or so before a game. Wow. Mm. And in terms of post-match recovery, is there a ratio for carbs to protein? It's four to one? or There is. There is. Uh, and again, what you learn is that uh, a lot of these things are great in theory. Um, but there's a there's a major challenge on, on getting the players to eat after after intense games just purely because they have no appetite. Their, their stomachs find, find it very difficult to tolerate large volumes of food. So uh, we'll use a recovery drink that will provide... Uh, at the moment, it's, it's about 60 grams of carbohydrate. I mean, even things like apple juice and fruit juices and flavoured milks are, are easier to consume very often than, than large recovery drinks. Cool. Mm. Folks, you're listening to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. Apologies if I seem a little bit geeky uh, today. It's a fascinating conversation to have with Daniel Davey, the Senior Performance Nutritionist for Leinster Rugby. We're going to pull it a little bit towards the normal consumer now, mm-hmm. uh, actually. I'm fascinated by what you do and what you've learned and how that applies to our listener, mm-hmm. who will be your standard gym goer that might go three or four times a week, um, and what they should be eating, I suppose, we'll start with before the workout and then after the workout, maybe for the average punter. Uh, are, there, are there any major changes? Probably not a huge amount. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think what's really important uh, to, to emphasize with anybody is that you are looking to develop a pattern of consistency. And patterns of consistency are what's challenging. You know, people looking to improve body composition or health outcomes, I think very often really underestimate how long it can take to really achieve a goal. And and they forget about how important the actual process is and the repetition is on a daily basis. So getting into that mindset is something that, you know, if I if I seen people outside of this environment that I try to help them to understand if you can put a really good ritual routine process in place, then the sustainability of any of your habits is going to be uh, a lot more effective uh, and sustainable. So um, whether it be a really small concept like like we mentioned protein distribution understanding that as a as a, a good framework to to achieve over the course of a day that's really useful so people go okay so four meals that's a that's a, that's a good approach to hit my protein intake and i say yes it is as long as you are hitting your protein intake in those meals and so you you mentioned exercise there um, and you, you know your your workout 
having a good time, having a, a consistent time that you can actually go and do that session. That's that's the first thing. Establishing a breakfast then that works well. I mean, we mentioned overnight oats. It can be a smoothie. It can be porridge. It can be eggs on sourdough. But it's what somebody can repeat over and over. That okay, so consistency is consistency the first thing. Yeah, okay. I mean, I mean I, it, it is. I mean, people want to dive in straight away into what how much protein is it 20 grams 30 grams 40 grams i mean your total protein intake or your total calorie intake is the first place of course that you start and you have that as an understanding of what you want to achieve but if you don't have the right type of i mean in simple terms it's the right type of plan to approach it uh, then it's very hard to to adhere to it in the in the long term but yes in simple terms you're looking at if it's just a, a moderate intensity workout, you're looking at two hours, 90 minutes beforehand that you're having as a, a, a light, a light meal. It could be as simple as a flavored milk and a banana. And then afterwards, I think the over, I think the, the window of opportunity, um, it is absolutely something that's that's important from an athlete perspective because they're putting back to back sessions. Um, so they might train in the morning, train in the afternoon, they train again the next day. So recovery fueling and refueling immediately post exercise is important, less so um, for the general population uh, who are not training as frequently or to the intensity. So what's more important is the overall picture and, and getting sufficient nutrients. So, you know, a small snack like a, like a, a brown bread sandwich with a good source of protein, a nice salad filling is, is definitely something that uh, could be used after recovery. But, you know, if it's, if it's consumed within an hour or two hours, I mean, it isn't just as critical. We know that over 24 hours, that's what really matters. Things, uh, as long as you're hitting your total need for carbohydrate, protein, essential nutrients, that, that's what really matters. What are the most common things that you're seeing mass market that really get your goat up, that really annoy you in terms of nutrition? Or are there? There has to be some. Yeah, I, I, well, it's what, what's very frustrating, I suppose, is that we move through different periods of time where things are popular and we talk about trends all the time. So what we had in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even it even still lingers today is the concept of, of low fat foods. Um, and it's it, it the, the entire industry moves with those type of demands so it's we, we went from lower fat lower carbohydrate um you know we've had over the past five years i suppose we had an explosion of protein bar products on the on the market most of them being junk i mean just pure garbage um and then what we're seeing now is um there's a move towards plant-based uh and vegan and vegetarian and that's not necessarily a bad thing there's lots of positive things associated with it but what we're going to see is an industry built on foods now that are vegan friendly which doesn't necessarily mean that they are a, a nutritious food or suitable for everybody um, so i think it's the it's the sweeping movement um of of information of marketing material based on what's 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 a trend and that that's that's misinformation okay so the trends are leading everything so the trends are, are, are for companies are building their products around or the stickers and the stamps they have on the product to get people to buy it and so it's trend driven as opposed to actual 
uh, scientific Yeah, exactly, nutrition. exactly. And I think very often that's... I think that's what the 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 issue is with a lot of the uh, the, the information that out, that is out there around nutrition and lifestyle that it, it we move away from what is evidence based and I, that's, that's what I like about this this environment the central focus is 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 an evidence based approach and if you're not evidence based then what are you basing it on um, and very often I think that's that's what where where it becomes very blurry, uh, particularly on a, on a social media perspective, you know, I, I, well, let's I, yeah. touch on that then. Cause that's where a lot of people are pulling their information from both. And, and I've had my soapbox over the last, over the last year on that one. And it goes up in the episodes, but that's where they're, they're getting their content from in terms of the visuals of what they see, whatever that person prescribes, they're going to buy, they're going to try, there's no qualifications. What are the steers around that? So for any of our listeners who are on social looking for advice for in terms of nutrition and food, where should they get it? Are there any go-to points? Obviously, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a chance to plug your own yeah. later on. But Yeah, I, I, I mean, what we have um, it, at the moment, we, we have an explosion of, of influencers um, and we have people who are providing some absolutely brilliant, brilliant content and brilliant uh, information. And, you know, as, as somebody who, who, who has a social media account and who is active on social media, I think that from, generally speaking, I think it's been very positive. I think we, we've greater access to information um, and it's just, it's provided an excellent platform. Uh, and it's also a good way to influence people's behavior. You know, it's, it's meal ideas and recipe ideas and, 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 that type of approach is is excellent but i suppose in really simple terms i think what we should take from social media or take from um what is being provided to us is the simple focus on the development of meal ideas and recipes but where we start talking about people's health and we start talking about the um the specific elements around science, then that must come from somebody who has the expertise to talk about it, whether it be a dietitian or somebody who has a, a PhD or, or a master's uh, in nutrition. And that has to be, that has to be there as a, a and, and central um, as, uh, as part of their uh, profile. I suppose that's 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 the best way of putting it. It's not that people can't share their experiences. That's great. I mean, that's that's fantastic. But when you're talking about specifics around, you know, gut health, for example, there's we 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 just people who are actually studying it say we're, we're very much um, at the tip of the iceberg in terms of the the research on it. So. It's keeping it to uh, so it's qualifications. And, it's qualifications. Yeah. and, and looking that, out for it. That's something we've said all across the last, both in terms of the podcast and, and previously, it's qualifications that you're looking for, and they're often not there. Yeah. Uh, look at the influencer, look at their tags, look at their yeah. bio. If there's no qualification there, move on. That's yeah. the, the obvious yeah. thing to do. Um, I'm, I'm going to pull it back to the vegan comment for a minute. Have you any vegan players in, this, in the squad? Uh, no, well, Jack Conan has been quite public about his um, his adaptation of. He was vegan for a while, but he's more pescatarian now. Oh yeah, okay, he's fish, um, yeah. and uh, he does eat fish, and he's quite flexible in what he's done 
with his food and his approach to his food. But what he kind has of challenges that, that place on you then in terms of early well, days and protein early, early Yeah, it was early on. It was challenging uh, because, you you know, Jack is a big, big, powerful man and his distances that he's covering are extensive. He's carrying a lot of muscle mass. So uh, the obvious one is is protein intake and it was a challenge early on. He did have to use whey protein. He was using a plant-based um, supplement as well to, to help him achieve his protein intake. But as it has developed, I think it's about two years now, he's he's been eating this, th- th- making these type of choices. And he's, he's, he's got to a point where he's comfortable with it. Um, but that's, I think you've, I actually recently uh, wrote a, a case study or a paper um, for uh, as, as part of a postgrad that I'm doing, and it was all based on what's the advantages and disadvantages. And I think that's one of the the big things that people underestimate is how long it actually can take to adopt a new pattern of eating that meets all of the criteria for health or performance. I'm going to ask you for three tips. Three takeaway tips for our listeners uh, from a, a nutrition perspective, not necessarily in terms of weight loss, but in terms of health. Mm-hmm. One of our goals on the podcast uh, is to improve people's health in the long term. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Three simple tips that mm-hmm. they can take away. What should they be doing in terms of mm-hmm. nutrition to improve the nutrition that they have? Yeah, so I, I would always start with the framework because what works so well within this environment is the fact that an athlete comes in the door and they have a very specific schedule to follow. So I'm not saying have a specific schedule, but have a framework. Know that I'm going. Know that you're going to do these number of of exercise sessions this week, and these are the meals I'm going to have on those days. And it's again the the used the word plan is is overused because I think it's used so often that it goes out of people's mind. It just becomes, oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But if you actually, whether it be on a, a journal or your phone, if you are even the back of a fridge, you have a piece of paper there where you say, these are the days I'm training and these are the days that I'm going to have these specific meals. Um, I, I think that it is the actions around nutrition that are actually more important than understanding anything specific or tracking. I mean, tracking is, has its benefits, but being having an actual structure for your meals. Okay. That's tip number one. Yeah. What else? I, so tip number two, I think the, um, the preparation of the overnight oats has been a, a, the the guys here say it's you know it's been a real game changer, but if you have a meal like that that you can make really easily, put in the fridge and you know that it's a go to, that is a it, it's it's about making all of these choices that bit easier. Okay, so, so prep your meals as much as you can. Yeah, prep, yeah. prep your meals as much as you can, but be 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 much more specific. I think people we talk about planning we lose the meaning of what planning is. Then two, we talk about meal preparation, but then people don't actually know what meal preparation is. Pick a meal that you're going to prepare and be specific about it. Um, And believe it or not, now I'm going to have three tips where they're not even specific to nutrition. But the third one is do a review in your kitchen to see do you have the necessary utensils to 
actually prepare these meals. So I am um, recently moved house. I got a knife block. I got a new chopping board. Um, and I got a really good um, non-stick pan. And you use them on a, every single day. But when you use tools that are very, very effective, uh, it makes your life easier. And again, it is all about making your life easier. Simple tip. You probably mm. haven't heard before, but the, the, if you want to prep the stuff, your tools are essential. Get mm -hmm. the right tools. Mm -hmm. It's an easy one. Mm -hmm. um, Daniel Davey, Senior Performance Nutritionist with Leinster Rugby. Thank you so much for joining us on the Real Pleasure. Health Podcast. If people want to follow what you do, where can they find you? Yeah, so I, I have a platform called Food Flickr. So that's with an E. Um, so you can get me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Fantastic. Listen, yeah. thank you so much for joining Pleasure. us. And uh, we'll you. talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Folks, welcome to part two from our Lessons from Leinster Rugby episode of the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by Killian Reardon, athletic performance coach for Leinster Rugby. Killian, welcome to the Real Health Podcast. Hi, Carl. How are you? I'm very good. How's it going? Good. High pressure times at the moment. Big uh, game coming up. Yeah, exciting times as well. Um, as we were just talking before we went in, like it's a good feeling around the place as well. Like it's a good balance of focus and excitement. So I'm really looking forward to the next four or five weeks. Tell us what your role here at Leinster Rugby. What tell us our listeners what you do and what a normal day looks like. So athletic performance. The, the way we look at it here, at every organisation is a little bit different in the way they look at it. But the way that we would look at that role is that you kind of have two main strands of of how you're working so on a group basis you want to have an athletic development program that takes account of all the components of fitness and and prepares players for the demands of the game and then on an individual basis you want to be a resource for players so that they can identify what their next step is as a player how they can go to the next level as a player and then support them while they achieve that so whatever that is it might be within the strict remit of strength and conditioning or it might be the support you give them might be to focus less on that and to focus more on what actually does entail their next step okay so it's built around the goal for each player on an individual level when it comes to athletic performance and you kind of build a plan around what they need to do yeah that's that's how i'd see the model i think that's how our department here sees the model of developing players anyway talk to me about um I was walking past uh, on the way to to get here, and the view of the gym. The gym's enormous in there. There's good space. Um, so the first year when I came, we used to be in the when I did my internship here. We used to be in pretty much a temporary structure around the back of Riverview Gym, and the gym was tiny. It was basically an alleyway, so you had kind of like a, a space for a track along the back of the platforms, and then all the platforms pressed up against the wall. But uh, what we have now, and like what I think is always at a premium in every gym, is floor space. And that's what we have there now. So then we have that kind of multi-purpose area where we do a lot of walkthroughs and team meetings and line-out practice. And then all kind of all the weightlifting materials on the other side, or all the weightlifting equipment on the other side. But there's really good crossover. And one of the cool things that does for us is it blurs the lines between what's rugby and what's athletic development so it's kind of just become a facility for players to come in and improve do you know okay so it's an improvement space yeah across all aspects of what they do as opposed to just a gym space or a strength and conditioning space or a training space it's an improvement space is how you how you view it yeah i think it's a good way of looking at it yeah 
Ooh. and it's, it's good for us as well as staff because it helps us to ha have a better perspective on what is going on in other departments and how that feeds into a bigger picture and so I would say the setup here is much more conducive to that than the old setup. Even Although that being said, they won two winning cups out of the old setup as well. So. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about gym work. Uh, how often do the players work out? How long are the workouts? Your listeners will be dying to know, so I have to ask. So probably the best way to, to give you an overview of the program is describe how a week would work if we're playing a game on a yeah, Saturday. So great. the guys are coming in on Monday morning and we have what you might describe as our big rocks. So, you know, rugby is always going to be about strength. No matter how the game's evolved, the strength is going to be important. So that's where we lay down our big rocks. We do our squat, press, pull, rear chain strength, make sure we have those things boxed off on a Monday. Players go and train then, rugby train in the afternoon. Come back in on a Tuesday and in the afternoon post-training, we come in and we do what is what you might what we'd call robustness so injury prevention stuff so that's still that's still it's still strength it's just not high force production strength in the way that our monday session is so we do a lot of stuff on hamstring robustness calf robustness um you might have some specific stuff so for front row guys neck strength um all the kind of things that what's the word insulate against the injury risks that that the game has then Thursday so let's say we're playing on a Saturday Wednesday be a recovery day Thursday they come back in again Thursday's a short fast session so what we do is we set up a, a kind of a, a set of different activities for the players to go through the session has two purposes one is to train players to deliver force quickly which is what's going to be important on the Saturday and and the second one is that that player feels physically and psychologically good leaving the gym. So we give players a little bit more latitude to pick and choose into what elements of that session that they go. But the context of that session is fast, sharp, and it's a short session. Get out to your to a training session that day, which is also shorter, and, and start getting ready for Saturday. One word I know our listeners will be fascinated by, and I am myself, is the maximal strength component Without naming any names, can I ask you roughly what kind of weights the guys might be squatting or bench pressing, just for guides out of interest? Well, like a good, a good way to actually have that conversation is relative to body weight. So we actually categorize um, what we call, let's say, gold standard, acceptable standard, and needs to improve cool. with respect to all our planes of movement. So if you say squat, uh, hip dominant, rear chain, um, press and a pull so best way to do it maybe as an example so I would say the way we have it categorized at the moment is if you can squat double body weight that's gold standard if double body weight double body weight okay. the reason we've come to that conclusion is because the data indicates that up until you can squat double body weight further increases in lower body strength will make you faster and that has obvious benefits for playing the game mm -hmm. once you get to around double body weight loading your legs further is all risk no reward or looks like it's all risk no reward so okay. there's almost no further benefit to improving guy's strength in that respect so cool so that means that that guy's next step in terms of athletic development is somewhere else it's not in his lower body strength that doesn't mean we don't have guys who can do or could do more than that but we don't program them or, or push guys into into 
lifting more than that in that specific example. Okay, so there's a, almost like an axis in terms of performance and weight that it meets somewhere along the line. And above that weight, there's no major perform- athletic or performance benefit for what they act- for specifically what they do. Or the risk might outweigh the reward or yeah, you yeah. make that decision for whatever reasons you do with that individual player. But yeah, that in a very broad sense, that example is a good example of how we'd set up. Would you have any key recommendations for, you know, you should be looking to do X, Y, and Z or do a little bit of this, this, this each week or are there any kind of principles that apply both in the performance sector but also in the, in the I suppose, the public sector? Yeah, uh, they're probably not as far apart as people might think as well. So, so again, like a good way to have this is to go back to the structure of our program or how we set it up. So if you, let's say, a member, a general a member of the general public who just wants to be fit and in good shape you need to be strong in all your planes of movement to a similar degree so you don't have to be super strong and in terms of the scale of how strong it's possible for a human to be you don't even have to be very strong at all but you do have to be reasonably well balanced so between you know how much pressing and pulling you do how much squatting versus rear chain development you do that that should be reasonably balanced mm-hmm. uh you should develop your cardiovascular system. Running is a really good way to do that. If you're going to run a lot, you need to think about how you're going to prevent yourself picking up running-based injuries. So you should take care of calf robustness, hamstring robustness, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, if you enjoy, even as a layperson, if you enjoy the aspects of just, you know, your body performing, if you want to be able to do stuff fast and lift heavy stuff and jump over stuff and do other cool stuff, then, yeah, you should be able to exert force quickly. So do Olympic lifts, do plyometrics, do fast stuff, but make sure you know how to do them well. Mm-hmm. That would be the advice that I'd give. So the principles are pretty much very similar. Principles yeah. of training yeah, of course. apply to different contexts. Fantastic. Killian Rudin, thank you so much for joining us on the Real Health Podcast. Thanks Some really uh, great insights for our listeners, no question about it. Folks, as ever, you know where we are. We're at Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram, realhealth at independent.ie for any emails that you have. As ever, listen to the podcast. Take some of the tips on board. Listen to the advice. We've got fantastic experts in and some really good tips to apply to your own training, some great principles, and uh, just believe that you can do it. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Slon. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.